The Amplified says, and they were all filled, diffused throughout their souls with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other different foreign languages or tongues as the Spirit kept giving them clear and loud expression in each tongue in appropriate words. All right, next one. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, I believe this is where we got caught last week. You ever walk by and, and uh, rip your britches on a door hanger? No, sometimes you do. Huh? Or a doorknob? How many of you have went to a stadium or to a conference, and when you sit down, your pocket catches? And as you're going down, and you're already in full, full motion, it's going... And then you wished you had one of those long-tailed jackets at about that time. I speak from experience. But this is where we got caught last week. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. And they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. And we determined last week that church is going to have to be hot. It's going to have to be loud. It's going to have to be on fire. You know, anybody can go to a seminar. Anybody can go to a library. But we live in a generation where people are facing sin and degradation and destruction in their lives. And we're going to have to be a church that's going to be able to answer and provide answers and hope for those situations in people's lives. I don't remember what, what, um, what I was listening to the other day on the radio, but it involved uh, human trafficking. I believe it was in Asia somewhere, maybe Thailand or whatever. This girl was 15 years old. In a couple years, she was going to graduate from high school, and she wanted to go to college. And she knew that the only way that she could go to college is she would have to uh, work and save up some money in order to go. So one of her neighbors told her that she lived in a small village. One of her neighbors said that if you, I will help you find work, just come with me. Long story short, the neighbor betrayed her and received money for human trafficking and sold her into prostitution. Here is this 15 and 16 year old girl who is living in an eight by six room who all of her dreams and all of her hopes and ambitions are now being dashed because now her body is being sold for the profit of someone else and now she is hopeless. And in the interview she said, the only thing I can remember was this, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I fear and whom shall I be afraid? And her, her bosses and her her slave taskmasters over her said, God is not going to hear your prayer. God is not going to help you. You are stuck right here for the rest of your life until we are done with you. Do you realize that is a large problem in the world today, human trafficking? But you see, we sit in nice air-conditioned churches and we sit on pews that are padded and we come in and we walk on nice carpet and we have nice instruments and we have sound systems and monitors and microphones and I love sound systems, monitors, and microphones. I like that. We came in today and we saw brothers and sisters 
while there's someone, some little teenage girl in a six by eight cell in Southeast Asia, that there is no hope for her, that she really thinks there's no answer for her. She found, somehow she found a rock or a piece of wire or something, and she inscribed that scripture on the ceiling of her little cubicle. And every time she woke up, she would see that scripture. But somehow, some way, God brought deliverance to her, and now she's 27, graduated from college, and she has her life together. But we live in a decadent society, and we live in a generation of whom the ends of the earth are going to come. We live in a generation that the imagination and the minds of men is only evil continually. And we're going to have to be a church that has an answer for the problems that this generation is facing. Amen? That's got to be us. We're going to have to put ourselves in a position that we are willing to accept whosoever will that comes through the door. I'm not saying that we accept the sin that comes with them. We accept the sinner, but not the sin. Amen? We love the sinner, but we hate the sin. We want to see the sinner set free. We want to see them become righteous and holy and joyful and free and liberated by the power of the name of Jesus. It's going to involve us getting our hands dirty. It's going to involve us going the extra mile. It's going to involve somebody that has a brand new car willing to go around and pick up kids on a car route and not worry about when the mud and the snow get in the back seat and the kids kick the back seat and the mud gets on the back of the seat. It, and we don't worry about it. Why? Because that's souls. That's someone's eternal destiny that we're hauling around in the back seat. Oh God, give us a burden and a vision to see beyond religion and see beyond the church service and let us see that God has power in his arsenal to touch people's lives and set them free and pull them out of prostitution and pull them out of lesbianism and pull them out of homosexuality and pull them out of drugs and alcohol and pull them out of lying and cheating and stealing. How about this? And pulling them out of gossip and out of hating their brother and out of all of the things that go with a sinful, base nature that we are subject to. So this church had to be hot. Notice where the people went. The synagogue was right near the upper room. But you didn't see them running to the synagogue. Because they knew at the synagogue there was going to be the scripture reading and the priest and the rabbi and all of that business. But they weren't running there. They were running to the upper room because there was some fire in the upper room. There was a wind in the upper room. There was a disturbance in the upper room. There was something unusual about that place. I want there to be something unusual about this place. I want there to be something unusual about me. I want there to be something unusual about you. I want the, that when you go somewhere, your reputation precedes you. Oh, you pastor that church. You pastor the church of hope. You pastor the church of promise. You pastor a church where people can come and they can be free and they can start naming names in the community. This one came and was set free. That one came and was different now. This one came and now they're a whole new creature in Christ. That's what I'm looking for. Are you looking for it? Now see if we don't get off of this we're going to be stuck again. 
Thank you. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee. And we hear them speaking in our native languages. I always enjoy going to a restaurant. Okay? Don't put a period there. Just a comma. And I like, or, or how about walking into Walmart or wherever, and when somebody opens their mouth and they've got an accent that's not from around here. And I say, you're not from around here. How'd you know? Oh, come on. She's talking like this. She's parking the car. I said, what part of Boston did you grow up in? She said, how do you know I'm from Boston? I said, come on. I can tell. Clinton. I said, okay, I have friends from Clinton. Uh huh. Went into a restaurant at Cracker Barrel and where were we at? Knoxville, Tennessee. And the, she said, do you want Ross or baked potato? And the guy that was with us was from Indiana, and he said, I'm sorry. She said, do you want Ross or baked potato? And I'm thinking, R-O-S-S, Ross. But she was saying R-I-C-E, Ross. You want Ross or baked potato? And I said, I'd like the Ross myself. I want to see what it is. They said, these people all have a, an accent. They're from Galilee. And we hear them speaking in our native languages. Let's go on. Now, we've finished twice as many as we had before. Here we are. Parthians, Medes, the Lamnites, people from Mesopotamia, Judah, Cappadocia, Pontus, and the providence of Asia, Pergia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. They are naming where they're from. If you take a map of that and put it on a map of that world at that time, that is the, it covers almost the entire world. When God does something, He's going to have everybody find out about it. He's not going to do it in a closet. He's not going to do it in a corner. It's going to be wide open. Let's go on. Cretes, Cretans, and Arabs. We do hear, we hear all these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. Now watch this. They stood hearing these people speaking about the wonderful things God has done. I have friends who were missionaries in Africa. They have told me firsthand that there have been people who received the Holy Ghost in Africa who know no English. But when they received the Holy Ghost, they spoke in fluent English. And the missionaries are standing there listening to it. I said, well, well how did it go? Jesus, you are my 
Savior. You are the river and light of my life. Thank you for redeeming me. Thank you for setting me free. You are my God, my Savior, my Lord. I sat in a service where the preacher was preaching. And he told about being at a conference, he and some other guys, and they went back to their hotel room. Rather than going out to eat, they decided to be spiritual and just go back to the room and pray some more. And as they were praying, he said intercession came in that, in that room. And as they were praying, there was the, he said there was a, a missionary kid from uh, the west coast of Africa, Ivory Coast, Sierra Leone, who is, uh, whose language, predominant language is French Creole. And... He was in the room, and there was a couple other guys, and the preacher that was preaching said, the, the spirit of intercession came upon me. And he said, I got in the middle of the uh, motel room, and I'm praying. And he says, as I'm praying, I start to pace back and forth. And then he said, I start to spin in circles. And as I'm spinning in circles, I'm pointing my finger, and I'm speaking in tongues. He said, I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just praying and doing whatever I feel to do in the Lord. That's what we have to have around here. We have to have you get to come to church, get in prayer, get in fasting. And by the way, we're fasting next week, so get ready. Wouldn't it be wonderful if 20 of us a day for three days would fast next week? 20 of us. Let the Lord talk to you. We're going to fast Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of next week. All right, so here we are. So he's praying. He's pointing his finger. He's going in a circle. At the end of the prayer meeting, two hours, three hours, however long it was, his missionary friend looks at him and says, I've got to ask you a question. Have you ever been to the west coast of Africa? He said, never. He said, do you understand or have you ever spoken the language called French Creole? It is French with an African dialect mixed in. He said, never. Never heard of it in my life. Don't know how to speak it. He said, you were speaking perfect French Creole as you were spinning in a circle and throwing your hand in the air and pointing. Well, what was I saying? He said, as you would spin around, when you would throw your hand out and point, you would dispatch angels of the Lord to go to various places and do certain ministry. You would give the angels command and the Spirit of the Lord command and permission to go all over the world and do whatever it had to do. You were doing that right there in that hotel room. Because that kid grew up in that area and knew that language. This was not a situation where they received the Holy Ghost and they spoke in tongues to give them the gospel. These people were amazed. They were perplexed. They were blown away at what was going on. It wasn't a one-time thing to spread the gospel. I don't care what churches say about it. The Bible says, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. When you get the Holy Ghost, you're going to speak in tongues. After you get the Holy Ghost, you get to speak in tongues. And you get to speak in tongues. And you get to speak in tongues. And you get to speak in tongues. tongues. Woohoo. And they're amazed and they're looking at each other and they say, what in the world is going on here? We're hearing people who say Ross speak in my language. We're hearing people who say, walk the dog and pack the cow speak in my language. They were asking each other, what is going on here? What does this mean? Okay, let's go on. But others in the crowd ridiculed them saying, they're just 
drunk. That's all. They're just inebriated. They're just intoxicated. They are just messed up right now. They're not in their right mind. They're not of their own sorts. They're just kind of messed up right now. There's something going on. Let's go on. I want you to watch what happens here. Matthew 16, 20. But he turned and said unto Peter. Now, who's turning here? Jesus. Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. And I know it's hard for you to believe this, but I'm almost done preaching today. You're going to feel like Matt Jones is up here in a smaller body, blonde hair. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. He can handle it. He's been a big old boy for a long time. When I met him 24 years ago, he was still a monster. He's a <laughs> Heavens to Bessie, he's a monster. The Lord looks at Simon Peter and says, Get behind me, Satan. You are offensive to me. Now, little man, get control of yourself. But who was it that stood up and said, They're not drunk like you think they are? Who was it that stood up? Let me go back down to my book of Acts, chapter number 2. So he says, get behind me, Satan. You're offensive to me. Has anybody ever told you that you were offensive? Has anybody ever said to you that you were sweeter before you got the Holy Ghost than you were after you got the Holy Ghost? You were a much better Christian before you got in that Holy Roller Church than you are now. You are really just a troublemaker. You have a lot of problems. There are things that you do that you shouldn't do, and they always have this whole list of reasons. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice. Yep, let's go back 14. Lifted up his voice and said to them, You men of Judea and all that dwell at Jerusalem... Be it unto, known unto you and hearken to my words. I want you to listen to what I'm about to tell you. Why could Peter stand up with that authority? Why could he stand up and say, I want you to listen to what I'm about to tell you. I've got a word from the Lord for you. It was just 53 days before that that the Lord was looking at him and saying, Get behind me, Satan. You're in my way. You're not, you're not loving the things of God like I'm loving them. But there was something that happened to Peter. If you keep on going back even a little further, or a little up 
close here, you're going to find where Peter is saying, Lord, I'm going with you all the way. I'm going to with you. I'm not going to let you die. I'm not going to let you down. I'm going to be with you. Blah, 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 blah. And that's when the Lord said, you don't know what you're talking about, son. And then we get to the garden. And instead of Peter just backing away and letting them take the Lord, he whips out the sword and he tries to take the servant's head off. But the guy ducks and he gets his ear instead. But the problem is that was the sword of human will, understanding, and reasoning. That was the sword, the only sword that Peter knew how to get a hold of at that point. But what Peter didn't realize was that when the Lord was talking to him in this, in Matthew, he also said to him, when you are converted, strengthen the brother. Peter, you're going to go through a process and you're going to go through some hard times. But when you're converted, I want you to strengthen the brethren. You're going to go through times, Peter, when it feels like you've left me down. There's going to be times, Peter, when all you're going to want to do is go out and go fishing. Because that's the only thing you know to do to take your mind off of where you're at right now with me. How many times and how many of us in here have decided that we were better off fishing and our old life because we've let the Lord down at this stage in the progress and the process. We've let the Lord down in this stage of the parade of our lives and we've disappointed Him and we wonder how in the name of God, oh, I'm preaching to somebody right now, we wonder how in the name of God, God can ever use us again and how God can restore us again. But I'm looking at a house full of survivors today. I'm looking at a house full of people, men and women who have said, you know what? I might have, I might have denied him. I might have whipped out the wrong sword. But this one thing I know, hang on, Simon Peter, because right behind the process, there's a Pentecost. All of us let the Lord down. I let him down. You let him down. We all let him down. But that's not the end of the story. He's not looking for you to get out of the game and go sit on the bench. He wants you to keep pushing. He wants you to keep the pads and the helmet on and walk back to the huddle and get the next play. Because this time, let me have the guy in front of you. When he comes across the line, don't do anything. I've got him. I've got your back. I'm taking care of it. Remember the Titans? Remember that one? Sunshine, let him through. Sunshine, just let him through. Some of you are going through the process right now. Some of you have been through the process. I'm telling you, whether no, it doesn't matter where you're at in the process, you can be a survivor. You can be a survivor in this thing. Peter thought he was washed up. Peter thought, the Bible says that when he denied the Lord that third time after the cock crowed twice, when he denied the Lord, the Bible says, I believe the Bible says in John, that their eyes met. And when he saw the look of the Master pierce his eyes, the Bible says he went out and he wept bitterly. He went out and said, I've got to get out of here. 
I can't help it. I've failed him. I've let him down. I'm a miserable failure. I'm no good. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve to be here. I don't deserve to be in his presence. I don't deserve to hear any of that anymore. He was right. He said the devil was in me. He was right. He said I was a offense to him. He was right. I sat there and I told him, I said, I'm not going to let anything happen to you. I'll go with you all the way to the cross. I'll die for you. And I whipped out my sword and I tried. And he said, Peter, put your sword away. For those that live by the sword, die by the sword. And he's crucified and Jesus is dead. And Peter looks at his comrades for the last three years. And he said, I can't take it anymore. I'm going fishing. And he left Jerusalem. And he headed back to Galilee. Which is a good day's journey. <clears throat> but somehow in the clamor and the confusion of a resurrection. You know what Jesus told Mary he said you go tell the disciples and he mentioned one other name he said the disciples you go tell the disciples but with that he said I don't know if I can say it and Peter you go tell the disciples and Peter I'm alive this was the one that said, you're full of the devil, son. You're offensive to me right now. You're not knowing the things of God that are happening and are going on. You're not discerning this thing right. You need to get behind me. Peter, you don't even know what you're saying, man. Before the cock crows twice, you're going to deny me three times. You don't even realize what you're saying. Oh, no, Lord, I know I've got it. I know I've got the goods. And then in the heat of the battle and in the confusion, how about this? And when the temptation comes our way and we think that we're real strong in our words, but in our actions we're weak at the knees and they just take us out and we don't know what else to do and we're laying there not only in guilt, but we're laying there in condemnation and confusion and we're saying, God, why don't you take this thing away from me? God, why don't you deliver this thing from me? And all you can hear him say is, my grace is sufficient. My grace is is sufficient. I'm going to take you through the process. I'm going to take you through the process. Oh, and I've got to tell you this one thing today. You just got to hang on because there are already some survivors in the house. And if you just keep walking through the process, you're going to be a survivor as well. Hallelujah. Hang on. Just hang on. Hang on, Dave Price, because right behind the process, there's a Pentecost. Right behind the process, there's a power and authority that says, you men of Judea and all of Galilee, let me tell you what's going on. You're looking at a man that's been through the process and he's a survivor I have people call me I have people who come to my office I have people who text me with situations and circumstances and they say what are we going to do and I wished I had that manual I don't know where that manual's at if somebody's seen my manual bring it back if you got my manual bring it back I would so love 
to have a thumb index manual that when they say this is what happened, this is where I'm at, what am I going to do? I can go down and I can hit that thumb index and flip it open. Section 3, paragraph C, article A. Da, 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 da. But it ain't like that. I don't have answers. All I can do is shake my head. All I can do is say, oh, Lord Jesus. But I know this one thing. There's a process that we're going through. And there's a process that each of us have to go through. Because we have to go through that. And God allows that to happen. And the devil thinks he's going to destroy it with it. And what God really does is God takes it and he turns the destruction into fertilizer. And we just grow. We just grow stronger and bolder and more powerful in God. That's where Peter was. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, said, Judeans, all you dwell at Jerusalem... Let me tell you what's going on. And he began to lay out for them that message. And he began to lay out what the prophet Joel said. And he began to lay out everything else. Let's look at that next verse, verse 15. Hallelujah. For these are not drunk like you think they are, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Yes, in the last day, saith God. Let's go to the next one. And it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Let me tell you something. 53 days before, he wasn't talking about a vision. 53 days before, he wasn't talking about dreaming dreams. 53 days before, he had his head between his knees saying, Oh God, I can't believe I did that to you. I can't believe I I let you down. Everything you said was true. But now he's got a sword and he's not aiming at their heads. He's aiming at their hearts. And the word is quick and it is alive, sharper than any two-edged sword. I'm preaching to survivors today. You made it through. Why did you make it through? Because God has a plan to get you through that process to the next level. It's time to go to the next level. It's time to go. Family Worship Center, it's time for us to beef it up and go to the next level in God. It's time to beef this thing up and say, here we go, here we go, here we go. Up a little bit higher, up a little bit higher, up a little bit higher until God has us exactly where He wants us. And don't get too comfortable at any level because when you get to this level, God says there's another one for you boy we got to go just a little higher we got to dig a little deeper hallelujah if you're discouraged today in the struggle let me tell you peter there's a pentecost right behind your process there is a pentecost right behind your process and the bible says they that gladly received the word were baptized that day about three thousand souls now that's a far cry from him looking at the ten other boys and saying i'm going fishing I can't take the pressure anymore. I can't take the heat. Hallelujah. I can't do it. I can't do it. Let's all stand. You're a survivor. You're a survivor. And you know, some of you are young. You're just cubs. 
No relation to Chicago. You're just cubs. You're just young in the Lord. But believe me, your day will come. Your time will come. I don't know how it'll come, but it'll come. It may come in the form of a person that you look up to in authority in your life. I remember I had a Sunday school teacher that looked at me, and I had the, had the Holy Ghost about six months. And she looked at me and she said, you were much sweeter before you got the Holy Ghost than you are now. Now, at that point in my walk with the Lord, I was devastated, man. I looked up to this woman. She's one of those I preached about a few weeks ago, had a mile as long as the Mississippi River or tongue. I wish she'd tell me that now. I just hug her and love her and laugh. But I, I was devastated. I was getting ready to go do a church service in Europe, and I was traveling with a group. And I had somebody on the phone chit-chatting with me. And this is what they said. You are devious, deceitful, and dishonest. And I'm like, well, won't you tell me how you really feel? I had 10 minutes, and I was going out on a platform and lead the service, a worship service. That was from someone that I looked up to. But guess what? I'm still here. And you've been through, through some things and you're still here. And you've been through some things and you're still here. Amen. We're still here. Doesn't matter what the devil tries to do to put us in a headlock. You can still be here. Doesn't matter what the devil tries to do to slow us down. You're still here. I'm telling you, behind your process, there's a Pentecost. Behind your Egypt, there's an opening of a Red Sea. Behind your Red Sea is a tabernacle in the wilderness. Behind the tabernacle in the wilderness, God says, if they want to see my presence, Moses, tell them to step on back and I'm coming down on the mountain. And when he came down on the mountain, they all went nuts. Scared to death, thunder and lightnings and earthquakes and fire and smoke. And Moses went through all the process. And when it was all said and done, what did God say? When I talk to, to people, I'm going to use prophets and my, my men. But when I talk to you, Moses, we're face to face. That's tough. Hang in the process because you're going to be a survivor. Michaela Brewer, you're a survivor. The odds are against you. But you're a survivor. How many, we could go right section by section. All of us have been through the process. All of us have survived processes. And the process that you're in right now, you're going to survive this one. I'm speaking a word of faith to you right now. You're going to survive this process. You're going to be all right. Touch your neighbor and say, you're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. You're going to make it. Touch them again and say, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. It's just the process. It's just the process. Hallelujah. 
It's just the process. You're going to make this thing. My Lord, some of you have had family disown you. Some of you have had church family disown you. It's amazing to me. Now, I'm just closing here. It's amazing to me. The people that I traveled the world with, stayed in hotel rooms with them, they don't even know me now. And you know what? That's quite all right. Because God used them. He, they were the crucible, the instrument that caused change in my life. So praise the Lord. Here we are. But you've had natural family turn you away. You've had spiritual family turn you away. You're orphans. But you know what he is? He's a God of the widow and a God of the fatherless. He's a God that loves the orphan. He's the God that says, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Hallelujah. Take, Come on and learn of me. Take my yoke upon you. Come on. I'm talking to you. You're a survivor. You're a survivor. Some of you have had church, your own church family people. And that's just kick you out. Push you to the curb. Talk about you. Speak all manner of evil against you. Then while you're sitting there ironing your shirt, the Lord says pray for him. Shoot. Are you kidding me? Pray for him. All right. Lord, touch so-and-so. He said, you didn't mean it. I said, I said, how'd you know? So I prayed again. He said, that's a little better, but you didn't mean it either. I said, you know, this is going to take a while. This is a process. You brought me through the process. I'm on the other side of the process. Now, me praying for those who despitefully use me and those who speak all manner of evil against me, now you want me to pray for them. This is going to take a little help. You're going to have to help me. Help me, help me, help me, because you know what? I, don't, I can't do this on my own. But I have found this one thing. When I get to that point when I can pray for them and I have sympathy and empathy for them, then that makes me a much better person in Jesus because you know what? He said while he's hanging on the cross, bleeding and ready to die, Father, forgive them. They're not even knowing what they're doing. And he's making me more like him. Now, I don't know who I've preached to today, but I've preached to some people in the process and I've preached to some people that have been a survivor of some processes. This front area is open right now for just a little season of prayer. Why don't you come on right now? Let's sing it. I want this to be your prayer today. I want you to remember this. Behind your process, there's a Pentecost. You gave me courage to believe. Behind your process... Is your Pentecost. Then all your goodness I will see. Mary, I want you to go tell the disciples and Peter. And if it has not been for you, standing on my side, where would I be? Listen to these words now. If not for your goodness, if not for your grace, I don't know where I will be today. If not for Oh, yes, Lord, you're making us men and women of God. 
men and women of character, men and women of power, men and women of faith, men and women of perseverance, men and women that are going to walk with you, Lord. that's in the process right now you want prayer I want you to come up put your toes right against the step if you want prayer right now in the process come on up put your toes right against the come on anybody else need the ministers up here need the ministers come on anybody else in the process you want prayer